morning everyone so today is 14th of february and my message has nothing to do with 14th of february okay and uh, please keep me in prayer because uh, i usually am a paper guy i like to note and draw from one line to another saying okay from here go here and all of that and i don't have that i have to use this and it's the first time i'm doing it with one hand so please keep me in prayer i didn't come with jokes but you guys are laughing okay all right so the flood right we we know the flood as as a story which is uh, taught to us right from childhood we know the flood uh, uh, has a you know we see this whole picture of the ark and you know animals going in and all of that but i think the the flood story is more than that and uh, before we go there a quick recap of uh, what we learned last week and last week uh, we went through uh, the fall right adam and eve what happened there right they they began to experience the consequence of their sin they were tempted uh, they fell into temptation they took sin very lightly and uh, god punished them there was judgment on them and they were put away right uh, you can go to the next slide and uh, when when we see that we see that uh, there there was uh, judgment at that point of time and even through that judgment god was uh, a protector and and a redeemer in in that in those moments and you know he sends them out of the garden of eden and god promises that through her seed he would crush the head of satan right and uh, he makes a sacrifice to cover their shame so from there uh, in genesis 4 uh, we can see um Cain and Abel and in Genesis 4 we see Cain taking the life of his brother and we see um you know sin just radically escalates doesn't it in the next just in the next next generation from just you know sinning of uh you know they Adam given one task eat from that one tree and that one task they fail and um and then from there it's just a downhill throughout right and uh, we see we can see more you know back back home i encourage you to read it and uh, it talks about the family of cain and there's some sin highlighted there in the family of cain and then family of adam and then we can come to chapter 6 and in chapter 6 we come to verse 5 and in chapter 6 verse 5 it starts saying then god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth the wickedness of man the wickedness of man was great in the earth and you know when when i thought about that uh, just wanted to ponder more and say is it different from the times we live in how different is it from the times we live in is it different were they really that bad let's look at a few verses very quickly romans 5 12 and 19 go just touch back from from where adam left off just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned verse 19 for by as one man man's disobedience many were made sinners just because of adam's that one sin because of that fall sin entered the earth right death entered the earth and we all know that we all have a nature which is a nature of sin and that gets highlighted in multiple verses i just want to touch few just couple of more verses before we can understand this ecclesiastes 7:29 says truly this only i have found thus god that god made man upright god made man upright but they have sought out many schemes man sought out many schemes post the fall 
the NLT gives a little more flavor to it. it says follow their own downward path you know because of our nature we follow on a downward path and then we may say uh, um, is it really a nature or is it just you know some, some people may not agree with that but in Ephesians 2 3 it says we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as others this morning Charlie read from that verse right we, we saw that entire passage how by nature we are children of wrath and we are doomed for destruction because of our nature so we are inherently sinful that's what I want to highlight here that we are inherently sinful and then the next verse in Romans 3:23 says so it's is it just that my nature is sinful but I can fight against it and go against nature and you know be perfectly holy let's see Romans 3:23 says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God all of us there is not one righteous Isaiah 53 53 6 says we all like sheep have gone astray all have turned everyone to his own way to his own way every one of us are going on our own way not on the path of what God wants us to take 1 John 1 8 says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us 1 John 8 10 what does that say 1 John 8 10 says if we say we have not sinned we make him God to be a liar so you may say you know I do everything right you cannot find one blame in me so point one blame to me right you can I maybe I can tell that to you and you will find it difficult right but where is sin conceived in the heart in the mind right if we mark 721 this is what the Lord Jesus says from within out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts adulteries fornication murders and thefts okay I don't do any of that murder theft adultery no not, not even close okay, let's read on what's happening in the mind covetousness wickedness deceit lewdness an evil eye blasphemy pride foolishness I'm sure many of us struggle with these there are much more verses where you see where you see those those the, the sin which is there in the mind and that will come out that will come out all these evil things come from within and defile a man so not just are we inherently sinful we are also inclined to be sinful so not just do we have a sinful nature but we also have an inclination to be sinful we need to understand that before we go ahead in in this passage and you know because of that that first part of that was there saw the wickedness of man was great and that every intent of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually you see that same thread there which is there in mark 17 right the inclination of his thoughts was only evil continually brothers and sisters that is no different from the age we live in today we live in an age today which is so wild so evil that the atrocities that you see in the news you don't even feel like reading the newspaper there is sin that there is crimes against women and children constantly war crimes things which happen in the world today we, we you know sometimes don't we think are we going backward in time why is mankind, mankind not moving forward why are we going in, in a such an evil manner and that is because of the way we are wired 
right? And I don't think it was much different in, in these days compared to those days. Let's look at what the, what, what, how the Lord reacts to this in verse 6. In verse 6 it says, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. Now I just want to pause there and say, you know, Lord's emotions are not exactly the same as ours. The word sorry doesn't mean, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about that Oppo phone. You know, it doesn't have that, that touch sensor is not very good. You know, I should have bought a phone. That's not what he means. He's not regretting it. He's not saying, oh, oops, I did a whoopsie. That's not what he means, right? Let's try and understand that little more. And again, we need to understand the, understand who our God is to understand the sentence better. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is an unchanging God. He does not change. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. He will not change. Okay, does he change his mind? 1 Samuel 7.29 says, And he who is the God of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. He does not change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. So what does it mean in, Hebrew, in, in Genesis 6, 6 when it says he doesn't, that, that he is sorry? In some of your versions, it could be regret. You know, that, that, that root word, you know, I'm not a big Hebrew guy. I'm not going to read out that word which you will see on your screen. Yinahim, uh, I said I won't, but I did. Yeah, so, so this Yinahim, what it means is actually the root of that is to groan, to, to, to truly be in deep emotion and anguish and pain at what your creation has done to you. You know, when, when God created us, what did he want? What is the main thing he wanted? He wanted fellowship with man, right? He wanted to have a relationship with him. He wanted to walk with him. And that's what he did with Adam. And when Jesus opens up that, when, when our Lord God opens that relationship with us, and when we hurt him through sin, because he is a holy God, right? He is holy and we are, sin, we are sinful. We are so far away from the mark that we are hurting him by causing that sin. So he is groaning, he is in pain and anguish by just looking at what is happening. In Ephesians 4.30 it says, you know, before I read that Ephesians 4.30, what about us? Aren't we in a relationship with our Lord Jesus? What has he done for us on the cross? He gave up himself to secure each one of us. He purchased us with his precious blood. That is how he, he started that relationship with us. And what do we do? We constantly grieve him by our sin, by our way, by not being in close communion with him. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We have been sealed for the day of redemption and we abuse that by our sinful ways. We hurt him, we grieve him. And that is what our Lord God wants to say in this verse. And you know, just for clarity, you know, I just read the first part of that verse. The second part is clear. It says, and he was grieved in his heart. And he was grieved in his heart. This is a relationship between man and God. And we have to be careful here. We have to be careful to, to, be, to not grieve his heart. To understand that sin is not trivial. Let us not trivialize sin. Let us understand that every sin that we do hurts the heart of God. Holiness matters all the time because he is holy. Because he is holy, we have to pursue holiness. 
Romans 6.3 says, For the wages of sin is death. When we grieve the heart of God, there is a consequence. There is a consequence for that. And that is what leads us to the next verse. Hebrews 12.5, you know, even for us, those who, you know, we may say, you know what, my sins have been paid. Free. It's not a free pass. Grace does, grace will abound much more, yes, but let's not abuse that. Romans, sorry, Hebrews 12.5 says, My son, do not, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Brothers and sisters, when we sin, we open up ourselves for discipline. You will sow, we will sow what we reap. We will reap what we sow. And that is what this generation in Noah's time is going to get. Verse 7, Genesis 6, verse 7. Hope you are with me. So Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. I will destroy man from the face of the earth. You know, before I go forward, I, you know, he created man to have communion with him. And just eight generations, only eight generations later, he's ready to wipe them out. I'm, you know, I, these guys. And those eight generations lived for 800 to 900 years each. And it is told that from Noah, uh, sorry, from Adam to Noah, it's almost 1,650 years. And can you imagine in 1,650 years what the population would be? There's a lot of calculation on that. And the bare minimum at that time when Noah was around was 4 million people. Bare minimum estimates, which could be much more. In the last 200 years, the Earth's population has moved from 1 billion to 7 billion. Just 200 years. And here we're talking about 1,650 years. He wants to blot out a minimum of 4 million human beings. That is how angry, how sorrowful our Lord is against sin. He wants to wipe out humanity. The NLT says, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. You know, he could have just wiped it all clean and started afresh, a new batch. But that's not what he did, right? We know the story, right? Let's, let's read some more. You know, when I, when I talk about the, the, the 4 million people, can you just imagine, if anyone's good at math, what is 8 divided by 4 million? 99.99 and I don't know where the 9's end, right? It's that many. This act, the flood, was the most gruesome act in human history second only to our lord jesus being put on the cross second only to our lord jesus put on the cross that was a great injustice we can see but here it was even it is the second most gruesome because only eight people survive and more than four million are wiped out that is how much our lord was was saddened by human the human race. Sin is a very big deal. God's holiness is a very big deal. Hence, he takes sin very, very seriously. It's always destructive. Sin is always destructive. Be it, be it you hurting your own friend or you hurting our Lord. What does it cause? It causes a break in the relationship between you and your Lord. Are you able to pray in peace? Are you able to 
to read the word of god in peace do you hear from him when you are when you are when you are in sin i'm sure that relationship is strained right it's always has consequences never trivialize sin never trivialize sin god's discipline reproof and chastisement will definitely follow you know every christian in his life wrestles with sin let no one fool you that they are above it let no one fool you that it's that that they are they find a, find it easy going and they are pure and holy what is what is uh, apostle paul say in romans 7 7:15 in romans 7:15 he says for i do not understand my own actions for i do not do what what i want he cannot do what he wants to do there is a lot of good he wants to do but he's not able to do it but i do the very thing i hate somehow he just keeps going back to some sin which he hates isn't that us don't we struggle just like paul every christian here and every one of us struggle with sin james 4:17 says therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin you know sin is just not doing wrong things it's not as simple as that there are various instructions in the word of god which tells us to do a lot of good as well and failure to do that is also sin when we do not love our brother as it is commanded in john 13:34 a new commandment i give you that you love one another just as i have loved you just as i have loved you can we love each other with true forgiveness with true selflessness a selfless love i think that is something many of us even i i will struggle with sanctification is a daily challenge sanctification is a daily challenge no one on the day of his justification say i am ready i am fully sanctified fully pure ready let's go it's a daily struggle it's a process which continues until your death to turn away from sin and turn to god continue to move in the right direction and it's it's small steps but we have to do it we have to persevere colossians 3:1 says we were raised with christ because you're raised with christ seek those things which are above where christ is seek those things which are above where christ is it's a continual process you know i won't go to those verses but there are three or four verses we in the new testament which start with put aside all put aside all there are about three or four verses in that i just compiled a bit of those and you know most of those are sins which all of us will struggle with and no one will know about it no one will know about it put us all malice deceit hypocrisy envy bitterness rage anger harsh words slander pride being judgmental unforgiveness these are all things which you know we each one of us will struggle in our own heart but these are things which we need to strive forward and get better at we need to come out of these sins which will make us closer to the image of christ so let's get back to the passage we are at 67 and the and in the ending of 67 again we see that same phrase for i am sorry that i have made them for i am sorry that i have made them and later we'll see what judgment is coming right it's not clear what the judgment is and then in verse 8 it says but noah you see the pause there but noah 
found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. He found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? What, what was so great about this man? This is the genealogy of Jonah, Noah. <clears throat> Noah was a, was a just man, was a just man. He was just and righteous, perfect in his generation. Brothers and sisters, let no one fool you saying that Noah was a holy man, perfect and you know, without blame. Okay, if you look at any of the versions, it says perfect in his generation, blameless among the people of his time. What it means is he was set apart. He was way better than those who were around. Yes, he had his flaws. Yes, he may have had his own personal struggles. But you see, in the, in the end of that verse, again, it says, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God, right? He we, we do see him struggling in later in, in, uh, in, in Genesis 9. So we know that he was, he was above those, he was better than those who were there in his time. And he was blameless among the people in his time. And he found favor with the Lord. You know, let's, let's just look at what Noah went through. Okay, He's an amazing man of faith. In those times, can you just imagine, God comes and speaks to him in verse 13. He says, the end of all flesh has come before me. I will destroy them with the earth. Can you imagine what Noah is thinking? Noah here doesn't re recount any of his, his replies. You know, all these Bible stories and animations, you'll, you make children's animation, you'll see him conversing and a lot of discussions. And nowhere here is it, is it recorded what he says back in return. And he's listening. And what, is, what happens in the next verse? In verse 14, he says, build a large box. Okay, a small box few rooms. Okay, I'll do that. Maybe two rooms um, for my family, few animals. But in the next one, he says, in verse 15, he says, how big? That's 1.5 football fields long. American or European, it's the same size. Don't worry. Okay, don't, don't break your head. Okay, one and a half football fields long. That's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high massive it's a massive project three levels one door on the side no escape no fire exits multiple fire exits nothing one door on the side and then finally in verse 17 he says flood waters and total destruction is what he's going to send still i don't see a reply verse 18 we'll come back to verse 18 later <clears throat> verse 19 and 20 Every living thing, every bird, every creeping thing will be destroyed. Gather food for, your, for all the animals and for yourself for, for about a year. Verse 21, that's verse 21. And then, you know, in between the lines we can read and none of this is mentioned, but most commentators will agree it would have taken at least 100 years to build because it was just him and his maybe his family helping him. Definitely not anybody else because nobody believed him. He would have definitely had ridicule he, it took about seven days to fill, fill that whole boat up. There, is there any mention of a rudder? I don't see it. How are you going to steer this big thing? No rudder. I don't think he builds it. And it's at the mercy of the redeeming God. You know, a quick fun fact is this, this ratio, which is there, is a six is to one ratio of length into breadth. And that is what shipbuilders stick to even today. If you want a large boat which is stable in the ocean, roughly that's the ratio that they follow. You know, the world takes a lot of things out of the Bible 
and makes it their own this is one of them right they took god's plan on how to build a ship in hebrews 11:7 uh, it calls noah out about his faith you know this is a chapter full of stories of faith and and accounts of faith and that in hebrews 11:7 it says by faith noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith you know what his reply was that's in verse 22 thus noah did according to all that god commanded him he didn't say anything it's not recorded here what he has said all he does is he does what god commands him and that's not just once in 7 you'll see in 7 verse 5 noah did according to all that the lord commanded and then again in verse 9 sorry in verse 10 and then again later in verse 16 9 and 16 he he answers through action he does everything that the lord commands him and even the animals answer in reply to god and and follow into the ark that is no a man of faith you know he silently just obeyed the lord can we do that is it possible for us to do that to you know like i said sanctification is a daily process and we have to walk by faith we have to be strong in our faith to do that to turn away from sin to follow the commands of god to do what he wants us to do can we do more can we do more for the church can we do more for the for our brothers and sisters around us that is the ask in through all of this we'll just go back to that one verse you know through in the entire uh, chapter of 6 what all we read we see a lot of instructions right and that death and calamity is coming in the middle of that there's a verse 18 verse 18 says but i will establish my covenant with you and your family a lord god is a redeeming god in the midst of all that judgment he is there to redeem noah and his family there is a redemption plan even in this story there is redemption for humanity through this one person noah imagine if not for noah mankind would have been wiped away god asks we'll just run through a few quick verses to understand how god was in control of every aspect of the situation in verse 7 in chapter chapter 7 verse 1 god asked them to come into the ark god asked them to come into the ark in verse 13 also he it shows that he they entered the ark and you know for me for me that that reminds me of jesus calling us come unto me those who are weary and burdened come unto me this is the lord calling them into the ark a place of security a place where he will take care of them in 7 14 and 15 god sends the animals in in verse in chapter 7 verse 16 god shuts the door he shuts the door noah doesn't go in and pull the door shut but god secures it just as we have been secured for eternity it is god who secures our salvation and here as well Noah doesn't close the door it is God who shuts the door he controls every aspect of the flood chapter 8 verse 9 he tells the the flood to start receding oh, there there is a uh, there is 
there is a wind which comes and helps the wind to sub the waters to subside evaporation and you know this whole process is not a few months it goes on and on and in 84 the ark rests on the mountains of ararat 85 noah is able to see some mountains 86 to 12 there's the whole um, raven being sent and three three times a dove is sent 8, 13 and 14 the surface starts to dry up and then in 14 the entire earth dries up and you see in all this God is silent more than a year God is silent once he shuts the door and the rain starts there is no account of him telling anything to Noah through can you imagine what happens you saw a picture don't go back to it you saw the picture of the ark right that is the morbid picture of what the reality was not inside the ark the message of the flood is outside destruction judgment on sin yet in that our God is a redeeming God and all that humanity were grasping for mountains and trees and things to survive but in maybe even two days to three days they would have had a place to put their foot the birds would have tried their best to, to, to find a place to lay their feet none to be found through all that inside the ark can you imagine what they went through unable to understand when this will end through those waters I'm sure the waters were not calm it was a storm it was heavy rain God is silent and finally in 8 verse 15 then God spoke to Noah saying go out of the ark he finally speaks and tells them when it is time to come out. He is in control of the entire situation. See, many times we may go through various trials and various problems, right? We may think God is silent, but God is still talking to us. God is still trying to teach us something. And you may not understand it now, but later you will get to understand what our God wants to tell us. And in, in 8 verse 20, finally, sorry, in 8.17, let's do that first, 8.17, it, it goes back to that verse which says be fruitful and multiply reminds us of Genesis 1 when the first time God says be fruitful and multiply you see God's ways hasn't changed his purpose hasn't changed all he did is wipe out the the the, the generations who were sinful and a remnant remained and that remnant went on to continue humanity and continue his plan in 820 go up sorry noah builds an altar and sacrifices and god accepts his sacrifice what does the garden and the ark and the cross have in common what do these three have in common right they are a place and time where sin was trivialized adam and eve thought it's okay just take a bite we'll see did he really say that i don't think so they trivialized sin Everyone around Noah trivialized sin. They saw him building the ark and all they would have done is ridiculed him. Not one came to him and said, I also want to follow this Lord. I will also help you. I will join you. Because you see in, in 2 Peter 2.5, it does talk about Noah preaching righteousness. Even through his work, anyone would have asked him, what is all this all about? Can I? And at least when it started raining, then they would have all become believers. Okay something is happening now but remember the Lord shut the door already 
the door was shut. Brothers and sisters, we have to take the judgment of sin very seriously. We have to understand there is repercussions for it. They are, the, these are all, the, all these three places were a place of judgment of sin. These three places had redemption. There was a redemption plan. And all these three places had a sacrifice. Even Noah gave a sacrifice and it was accepted. The cross, that is a place of redemption and sacrifice. And because of that, we all stand here redeemed. All those of us who believe that our Lord Jesus died for each one of us, we are truly redeemed. You know, through all of that, God's plan still continues. You'll see in, in chapter 9 onwards how his plans have not changed. You'll see a, a covenant with Noah, never again to destroy the world with water. Never again to destroy. So we can have some peace that even though, you know, otherwise we'll all have to start building boats and uh, be ready to get in, right? But that's not going to happen. The world will be destroyed, but through another means and we'll see that for, for another day. Has man changed? through all this Genesis 8:21 the last part says and the lord said in his heart i will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth he has not changed nothing has changed there is still going to be evil but because of this warning i think there was a lot of change through the line of noah <clears throat> those of you who who are here who do not know our Lord Jesus Christ I want to tell you no one here in this hall or those who are on Zoom is righteous none of us is righteous by our own standing the only reason we have a standing before this holy God is because we believe in our Lord Jesus Christ who saved us we believe that he has saved us from, from our sins there were two verses I, I, I kept going back to and, and we'll just see the entirety of that verse 1 John 1 8 said if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but what is the continuity of that in verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness what an amazing God we have it does not stop with just sin but if we confess our sins he is just he's a just God he will accept our confession. He will accept us and he will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The other verse I kept going back to is for the wages of sin is death. That's only part of the verse. What's the continuation? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of our Lord Jesus Christ is the salvation that he has given us for all those who believe. Brothers and sisters, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, please talk to one of us. Please talk to someone who will help guide you that you, each one of us need a savior. Each one of us need a redemption plan. Else we are headed to total destruction, just like the multitudes who passed away during the flood. So in conclusion, what do we learn? <clears throat> the flood is not just a happy happy children's story yes you know inside the ark you could say that but the bigger story is outside the ark where that great multitude perished because they trivialized sin we all 
need to understand that sin grieves the heart of Lord. When we see the rain, you know, sometimes it's very beautiful, you know, a drizzle and the whole place uh, looks different and beautiful. But when it rains and especially when the storm comes, I want each one of us to be reminded that that's a reminder of the flood. That's the reminder of a God who destroyed almost the entire of humanity because he, his heart is grieved by, by our sin. But then also when you see the rainbow, be reminded that that is a continuation, that, our, that same God is a redeeming God. And that same God will still take you back, will still accept you back. Believers, has the Lord asked you to do something in this world as an act of faith? To stand out, to do something which is outrageous like what Noah did or like what Moses did or like what many of the missionaries have done in this day and in, in the last 200-300 years. Gone to paths where no one would go and now we have millions of followers of Jesus Christ. Is your calling for faith to turn away from some sin in your life and turn to him, to dedicate your life to him, to be a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ? In conclusion, God is always there to redeem and restore us. All we need to do is return and repent to God. That's all he asks us to do, to repent and return to him. We should respond to his call of faith. Whatever that call of faith is, we should respond to it. We should also res respond to adversity in faith. I hope we could learn much this morning. I know I have. I pray that this will truly help us in this journey in, in, in the whole counsel of God. And we'll see more on what we have learned today in the, in the weeks to come. Shall we just look to the Lord in prayer? <clears throat> Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you Lord, for this morning. We thank you that we could come into your throne of grace, worship you, adore you and thank you. We thank you Lord for this message, O Lord, which shows us, O Lord, that you, O Lord, are a God who judges sin. Lord God, sin grieves your heart and that grief has, has a consequence. We pray, Lord, that we will not take sin lightly. We will not trivialize sin. That we will understand that there is judgment upon us if we take it lightly. We pray, Lord, that we will repent, that we will come back to you. Pray, Lord, that if any one of us here doesn't know you as their loving Savior, that we will, that, that person will, heart will be softened. And you will speak to them, O Lord, and reveal yourself to them, O Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this message. We pray, Lord, that even through the week as we Turn, uh, turn to you in our cell groups. Uh, we will be able to ponder on this more, discuss more, and we will be able to edify one another through those discussions, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We pray, Lord, for the second session as well, that many will stay back and we'll be able to be, truly be able to be edified, Lord, through the word. We ask for all of this in and through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.